Welcome to Him for Her Radio, women's hot topics. Ladies, this show is for you. Find clarity, discernment, and discover who you are in Jesus Christ, all while exploring the hot topics of the day. She's an evangelist, founder, and president of Him for Her Ministries, and she's here to tell it like it is. Your host, Suge Burry. What happened if you say what you want to say? Hey ladies, some of you have heard this song before by Lady Gaga and it's called I Was Born This Way. As a matter of fact, it hit the charts and everybody rocked to it all day long. But we have a new perspective that we're looking at today as we talk through the lens of Christ as in I Was Born This Way. A gay son journey to God. We have got an amazing speaker author, international host, as well as a professor here with us today, Dr. Christopher Yuan. Thank you, sir, for coming on with us today. Oh, thanks for having me on, Shug. You know, we're just so excited to get into this. And um, I first want our my co-host, Becky Danielson, to please introduce our guest today. We are thrilled that you are here, Christopher. Dr. Christopher Yuan has taught at Bible Moody Institute for over 10 years, and his speaking ministry on faith and sexuality has reached five continents. He speaks at conferences, on college campuses, and in churches. He's co-authored with his mother their memoir, Out of a Far Country, A Gay Son's Journey to God, A Broken Mother's Search for Hope. Over 100,000 copies have sold now in seven languages in that book. He is also the author of Giving a Voice to the Voiceless, a qualitative study of reducing marginalization of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and same-sex attracted students at Christian colleges and universities. And he graduated from Moody Bible Institute in 2005, Wheaton College Graduate School in 2007 with a Master of Arts in Biblical Exegesis and received his Doctorate of Ministry in 2014 from Bethel Seminary. His newest book is Sexuality in the Gospel, Sex, Desire, and Relationships Shaped by God's Grand Story. And Christopher, we are thrilled that you are with us today. Oh, it's my joy, Becky and Chug. You know, ladies, we're on YouTube now, so please go to him for her, H-I-M, number for her, dot org. Go up on YouTube, check out our faces, our expressions, and look what I'm holding up here. I am holding up his fabulous book, which is called Out of a Far Country. If you go to our info email at himforher.org and click on book and write it in there, I will send you your free copy. It is amazing, and it is such a great book. Christopher, thank you again for coming on with us. Oh, thank you for having me on, Shug. So um, I just want to fill in, friends, a little bit. You know, you know that I preach in prisons around the world, actually, and it's very common for me to hear, as well as a quote from your book, Christopher, Um, I was born this way. We didn't choose this. How can it be a sin? God made me this way. Why would God say it's a sin to be who we really are? And why would God deny our love? Yes, ladies, today we're talking about sexual preferences, sexual identity, homosexuality, and we're going to be hitting all of these subjects. Now, ladies, don't turn it off and say, oh, I don't know anybody who's gay. Because 
it is becoming even more prevalent that children who are being raised up are confused in their identities. Mm -hmm. And I believe as Christians, we need to be equipped. We need to be bold. We need to be ready to share our love. And ladies, most of all, you've heard me say this before. Let's get the love thing right. Let's get the love thing right. And it starts today with our guest and author here. There's some key statistics I want you ladies to know that 1.7% of individuals in the U.S. identified as being either gay or lesbian. An estimated 19 million Americans have engaged in same-sex sexual behavior. An estimated 25.6 Americans have acknowledged same-sex attraction. And the numbers go on. Now, I have a lot of friends who are gay. My heart just beats for them. And so we're going to talk today and get a perspective that most of us don't have as we're sharing our love with other people who have same-sex attraction. And that's with Christopher Yuan. Thank you for coming on. So... I'd like to ask you just right off the top, could you share a little bit about your story and a little bit about your background so our listeners know where you're coming from? Yeah, I wasn't raised in a Christian home, and um, my parents were born in China, raised in Taiwan, and came to the United States for graduate school. And we didn't own a Bible, we didn't go to church. My parents raised me in very traditional Chinese valleys that I could distill to three things. Obey your parents, do well in school, and practice piano. <laughs> <laughs> practice piano. I, yes, that's right. I wrestled with my sexuality from a young age. I was actually introduced to pornography. I found pornography at a friend's house at nine years old, which I know is very shocking for parents, but actually that is pretty much the norm today with how easily accessible it is on the Internet, mm. and uh, kids find it by accident. Um, I think I heard a friend who was telling his um, or the, their child was coming home and say, look, I can, you know, write a letter to the president, you know, whitehouse.gov. Well, instead of typing out whitehouse.gov, they typed in something else, whitehouse.com or something like that. And was it was not uh, the White House. But anyway, so a lot of times kids are coming across pornography by accident, even when parents don't know it. So I was exposed to pornography when I was nine. That was the first time that I realized I had these attractions. But, of course, I didn't tell anyone. I'm born in 1970, so that meant 1979. And at that time, no one was talking about sexuality. And I kept those hidden through high school, college. Even I joined the Marine Corps Reserves, and I didn't tell anyone. It wasn't until I was in graduate school. I was pursuing my doctorate in dentistry. I'm from Chicago. I moved to Louisville, Kentucky, where I I was entering graduate school, uh, doctoral school for my dentistry degree. And it was there that I finally came out of the closet. I no longer kept it a secret. And I I began living openly as a gay man. So after a year of dental school, I went home for the summer for summer break before we started our uh, residency and, and, you know, seeing patients during the summer. And I went home, and it was then that I told my parents. I broke the news to my parents, and I told them, I am gay. It was actually my declaration. This is who I am. Well, it devastated my mom. She, kind of being your typical Asian mom, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, this term before, Becky or Shug, uh, tiger mom. Have you heard that before? Mm-hmm. Well, my mom is a typical tiger mom, and she wanted to control the situation, and she gave me an ultimatum. Choose the family or choose this, which for Chinese, family is everything. And... As a Chinese person, you would obviously choose the family. Well, for me, being someone who was cross-cultural and born in America, but even though I was ethnically Chinese, I didn't feel like I was Chinese. I'm American, mm. and family isn't American uh, isn't isn't important as much for Americans. Uh, and so I thought, well, 
if you can't accept me, I have no other choice but to leave. I went back to Louisville, devastated my mom. The time was awful. My mom and dad, they actually began a pa- the paperwork for a divorce. Mm-hmm. She, they, so mom was, my mom was literally at the end of a rope, and she found no more reason to live, and she was actually going to end her life. Mm-hmm. For some reason, she felt the need to go see a minister who gave her a little booklet on homosexuality, which shared with her the gospel. So she took that, and, and she actually began reading it. She bought a one-way Amtrak ticket to Louisville, where she planned to say good- goodbye to me for the last time. She didn't pack. All she took was her purse and that pamphlet. She began reading it, and they shared with her the gospel, that she was a sinner. And yet, even though she was a sinner, God still loved her. And God opened up the eyes of her heart to see that just as God can love her in spite of her sin, she could love me, her gay son. Mm-hmm. So she became a Christian on, you know, on this trip. And, you know, not too soon after that, my father also became a Christian, and it was through Bible Study Fellowship, which, uh, which that, that brought both of them to faith and, and also grew them in Christ. Well, I went the opposite direction, wanted nothing to do with Christianity, and I spent most of my free time in the gay clubs. I went from relationship to relationship, seeking intimacy and happiness, which I found, but it still left me feeling um, just empty. So I began experimenting with drugs. Well, eventually, I was expelled from dental school uh, just three months before I was received my doctorate. Mm -hmm. So my parents flew from Chicago to Louisville, and I thought they were going to fight to keep me in school. My dad's a dentist. He knew the dean very well. But when we were in the office, my mother looked at the dean and said, it's not important that Christopher becomes a dentist. What's more important is that Christopher becomes a Christ follower. And she said that they're going to support whatever decision the school made. Because unfortunately, a lot of Christian parents today, they put more emphasis upon school and education and career than actually following Jesus. I think sometimes, especially Chinese parents, will, will want their kids more to get into an Ivy League school than their kids to actually follow and obey Jesus. Which is why I'm not surprised that the statistics of our Christian youth raised in the church, when they leave the church, the majority leave their faith by the end of college. And I think maybe the reason is because they weren't never really worshiping God in the first place. Because mm-hmm. we have made idols out of education, idols out of career. And instead of worshiping God at home, we're having them worship school and worship homework and worship career. Because ultimately, there's nothing more important than following Jesus. But I was not very happy about my mother's decision, and I moved further away from them to the bright lights in big city of Atlanta, Georgia. And there I quickly took up the drug scene in the gay community, and I became a supplier to other dealers in over a dozen states. And, you know, the funny thing is, you know, even, um, you know, people are like, well, why were you selling drugs? You didn't, you didn't need to. I've had that said to me before. People that were raised in the ghettos or, the, you know, they were not like me that came from a nice you know, nice suburb or had, you know, wealthy parents. The problem is you never have to go looking for sin. We all choose to sin or choose not to sin. Sin will come find you. Uh, Sin isn't just, uh, you know, reserved for one demographic or one socioeconomic group. Sin involves all of humanity and therefore all of humanity needs Christ. So I got involved in drugs. I was selling drugs. I was supplying drugs. And this whole time, my parents had no clue that I was doing drugs, but they knew that my biggest need was to surrender to Christ. So they tried to reach out to the love of Christ. They tried to share the gospel with me. They came to visit me one time in Atlanta. And after the second day, I told them to get out. I was furious. And they weren't preaching at me. They weren't telling me I was living in sin, like oftentimes maybe you would think that they would do. Mm -hmm. But just the fact that God had so radically transformed their lives that they radiated Christ, 
That was offensive to me, and I told him to leave. And we hear the narrative today that Christian parents cannot love their gay children. You have to shut off that old-fashioned Bible teaching to actually love their gay children. Well, I had the exact opposite experience. Mm -hmm. My parents were not Christian. They could not love me. They rejected me. It wasn't until they became followers of Christ that they knew that they could do nothing other than to love me as God had loved them while they were powerless, while they were still sinners, while they were even enemies. Well, that's just beautiful. Yeah, I kicked him out. And before my dad left, he wanted to give me something. He gave me his Bible, you know, thinking I might read it. And I'm like, I I don't want your Bible. He left it on my kitchen counter anyway and walked out the door. And as soon as they left, I took my dad's Bible and I threw it in the trash can. That's how much I despise God and his word. And it was so obvious after that visit that I was completely unreachable and totally hopeless. But they committed not to focus upon the hopelessness, but upon the promises of God. And along with over 100 prayer warriors from the church, from their Bible study fellowship group, they began to cry out to God for me. My mom began to pray a bold prayer that God would do whatever it takes to bring this prodigal son to him, whatever it takes. That's a bold prayer for mother to make. That's a hard prayer. In her desperation, she fasted every Monday for seven years and once fasted 39 days on my behalf. She knew that it was going to take a miracle, nothing short of a miracle, to bring this prodigal son to him. And a miracle is exactly what God did. Mm-hmm. This miracle came with a bang on my door. I opened up my door, and on my doorstep were 12 federal drug enforcement agents, Atlanta police, and two big German shepherd dogs. I just received this large shipment of drugs, not my largest, but they confiscated my money, my drugs, and I was charged with the equivalent of 9.1 tons of marijuana. And with that amount, I was facing 10 years to life in federal prison. I had started with a bright future among society's finest, and I found myself in the ditch among society's despised mm. in the Latter City Detention Center. So I tried calling home. Just, I mean, no one wants to call home from prison. Just, I was just imagining the earful that I was going to get on yeah. the other line. But my mother's first words were, are you okay? Mm-hmm. No condemnation, no berating words, just words of unconditional love and grace. The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Not God's anger, not God's wrath, but it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. And even on that miserable day, God was pouring out his grace and drawing me to himself through the words of my mother. Mm. So I was walking around the cell block, and I passed by this garbage can, and I'm like, this is my life. I was about to pass it by, but something on top of the trash caught my eye. I bent over, picked it up, and it was a Gideon's New Testament. <laughs> Took it back to my cell, and I began reading it. And that, that first night, I read through the entire Gospel of Mark that night. But I wasn't thinking, this is the Word of God. I actually just thought, I've got tons of time on my hands, and I better pass it somehow. But, mm-hmm. Suge, as you know, Becky, as you know, what we have in our Bibles is not just ink on paper. But what we have is the very breath of God, and it's living and powerful and sharper than any double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. And it began to convict me, and uh, it be- began to expose my sin and my rebellion against God, and I thought, this is not good news. When does it get better? Well, it got worse. I was called to the nurse's office, and the nurse set me down, and she told me that I was HIV positive. So I went back to my cell. A couple of days later, I was laying in my cell all by myself, and I looked up at the cold metal bunk above me. There was graffiti, profanity, gang symbols. Someone had written something else in the corner, and it read, If you're bored, read Jeremiah 29, 11. 
for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I mean, there could have been any verse on that bed, but that was the very verse that I needed to hear. And if you read further down in Jeremiah 29, you read how God is going to call Israel out of exile. Even though they were rebellious, he was going to call them out of exile. And I'm like, man, if God can all call a rebellious nation Israel out of exile, he could call me, someone who's rebellious, out of prison. And at that moment, God gave me enough faith and enough strength to get through that one moment and then next day and the next. But I didn't know where that, where that plan was going to take me. Um, God began convicting of my dependencies, obviously drugs, but within a few months, he delivered me from that addiction. God kept bringing my mm-hmm. other idols, and my biggest idol was my sexual identity. So I went to a chaplain and asked him his opinion on this issue, because I'm like, I don't know that much about the Bible. I need to ask someone who's gone to cemetery. I mean, seminary. <laughs> to ask him more, you know, because he knows he should know more about the Bible. To my surprise, this chaplain told me the Bible doesn't condemn homosexuality, even gave me a book explaining that view. You know, when, like, when I read that in your book, I screamed in my house. I'm like, what? <laughs> yes. Yes. So, which is such a good lesson, Shug, because... We should not just trust any person yes. because that person has, you know, authority. Mm-hmm. I mean, I even tell people, don't believe me simply because Dr. Christopher Yuan said it. Yeah. Listen to what I say, but go home and open up the Word of God because that is our only yes. authority. Well, and chaplains even in anything. prison, they don't have to be Christians either. They're distributing exactly. faith to the population. And so I've witnessed that exactly. time and time again. Um, and, and you're exactly right. We've got to claim our faith. We've got to go to the genuine article. Don't believe what other people are saying. Find out for yourself what that living word says. That's amazing. Amen. Everything, the word of God is our only standard. Everything else mm-hmm. has to submit to the word of God, even a pastor, even uh, a, you know, a well-known spiritual national you know, uh, Christian leader is, has to submit to the word of God. And anyone that tries to go above that is usurping God. Mm. So I, but I was thinking, great, you know, I got this book, I began reading it, I had that book in one hand and the Bible in the other, you know, and showed it. Everything inside of me wanted to affirm what that book was claiming. I wanted my cake and eat it too. Who wants to change, right? Everything inside of me. So I went through the whole, I mean, I, I, I looked and, uh, and, and I realized that I couldn't find anything. I went through the whole Bible. I went cover to cover several times looking for justification. I had time. I looked and I looked and I couldn't find any. So I was at this turning point and the decision had to be made. Either abandon God in his, his word, live as a gay man, pursue a monogamous same sexual relationship by allowing my attractions, and this is important, by allowing my sexual attractions to dictate not only who I was, but also how I lived. Or Abandon pursuing a monogamous same-sex relationship. How? By freeing myself from my sexuality. Mm-hmm. By not allowing my desires to control who I am and live the follower of Jesus Christ. My decision was clear and obvious. I followed Jesus. Amen. As the days and the months of abstinence passed, I realized that my sexuality does not have to be, actually shouldn't be the core of who I am. I told myself before God loves me unconditionally. That's true. But don't we as sinners always like to add to that truth? I added, so therefore God doesn't want me to change. Similar to people who say, God loves me just the way I am, so leave me alone. But after reading the Bible several times, I learned that unconditional love is not the same thing as unconditional approval of my behavior. Let me say it again. Unconditional love 
is not the same thing as unconditional approval of my behavior. Mm -hmm. My identity should not be defined by my sexuality. My identity shouldn't be grounded in my desires, whether sexual or romantic. My identity is not gay. It is not ex-gay. It's not even heterosexual for that matter, because my identity as a child of the living God must be in Jesus Christ alone. Amen. God says, be holy, for I am holy. Because mm-hmm. I thought that if I were to become a Christian, that I would have to become what we call a heterosexual. That's the only way to become a Christian. Which, what does that mean? The more sexually attracted I were to the opposite sex, to lots and lots of women, the more of a Christian man I would be. But I realized that even if I had opposite such attraction, I would still need to flee temptation and resist sin. So actually, heterosexuality is not the right goal. It's the right direction, but it's too broad that it includes sinful behavior. And God never commands us to be heterosexual for I'm heterosexual, but neither did God say be homosexual for I'm homosexual. Instead, God says be holy for I am holy. Therefore, the opposite of homosexuality is not heterosexuality. That's not the right goal. But the opposite of homosexuality is holiness. As a matter of fact, the opposite of every sin it's holiness. I don't need to focus upon whether I struggle, whether I'm tempted, but I need to focus upon living a life of holiness and living a life of purity. Because change is not the absence of temptation, but change is the spirit wrought ability to be holy, even in the midst of temptations. And as um, as I began living this life of surrender and obedience, God began to reveal His plan for my life, and He called me to full time vocational ministry while I was in prison of all I places. Love that. And I then applied to uh, Bible college from prison, and this is the best part. When I got the application, um, I realized I needed references that knew me as a Christian for at least one year. So do the math. I had some slim pickings in prison. (laughs) I was able to persuade a prison chaplain, a prison guard, and another prison inmate to write my references to Moody. So amazingly, I was actually accepted I started at Moody. Uh, I was released from prison in July of 2001, and I started the very next month in August of 2001. So imagine the surprise of my classmates when I answered their question, what did you do this summer? <laughs> <laughs> I graduated from Moody in 2005, went on to my master's in exegesis, and then went on to get my doctorate of ministry in Bethel just down the road from you guys. You know, there was and, a, um, a little God appointment that happened in between there that you didn't mention, and I wish I could go into detail about it. We only have about a minute left. But it was your mom and dad went to an event and and reserved their spot. And when they came back into the room to sit down, they realized they were at the speaker's table. And who was sitting next to him, uh, your mom, but Moody Bible Institute, uh, wasn't it the uh, president? Dr. Joe Stoll. Yes. And, yes. and she the whole time couldn't concentrate on the speakers or what anybody was saying. All she could think about was that you were going to apply there. And she turned yes. to him at the very end and she said, do you accept sinners into your program? I believe that's kind of how it went. Uh, what a mom. I tell you, what a yes. mom. And God had everything prearranged. And his response was amazing because he said, because it was, a, you know, my mom was like, I want to say something that, you know, that you can remember. And his response, and I love Dr. Stoll. And he said, is he redeemed? Yes. Amen. Is he redeemed? I love that. Ladies, I know some of you are listening in prison. And let me ask you that question. Are you redeemed? What does that fancy word mean? That means, have you turned your life over to Christ? Have you decided to surrender to him? Ladies, it's simple. It doesn't matter what your sin is. doesn't matter what your past is. doesn't matter if you're a felon or not. doesn't matter if you're a housewife doing her laundry who has sexual sin in her life. God wants you to turn your life over to him. Why? 
so he can be part of your life, so he can be in your life. And God has asked us, it's a simple prayer. It's your prayer. It's not my prayer. It's, Father, I am a sinner. Come into my life. Forgive me for my sin. Help me to turn away from my past and my sin and help me to turn toward you, Lord. I need you. And ladies, I promise you that your days will be filled with joy. What kind of joy? The greatest joy ride ever in Jesus Christ. Will you have difficulties from time to time? Absolutely. But Christ will be with you in it. We are going to do a part two with Dr. Christopher Yuan. I want you to be with us. Becky has a ton of questions just boiling in her. Ladies, I'm so glad you're listening. Hang in there. Listen to next week. And let's hear the rest of the story. This is Shugbury. You know I love you. Over and out. Hey, ladies, this is Shugbury, and I'm the host of Him for Her Radio, Women's Hot Topics. I am so glad that you have found our show amongst the millions of podcasts that are out there. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, would you please do me a favor? Like it, rate it, thumbs up. We're on YouTube as well, so don't forget to find us there. You can watch our guests also. Please subscribe so you don't miss a show. We also have started Him for Her Crazy Testimonies. And each of our guests that we have on the show shares their personal testimony, how they received Christ in their life. This is Shug Burry. You know I love you. Over and out.